So you may be wondering why I have a pink chair on stage. Some of y'all got excited. You thought I was going to get up here and do some WWE or something like that. But that stuff ain't real, I'm just telling you. <laughs> well, I had an opportunity to see something that was really profound that dealt with prayer. I mean, just this persistent prayer, God using prayer to just change an entire neighborhood. So probably about 10 years ago, I had two men approach me. Maybe one, and then the other came later. He says, hey, there's a neighborhood in our community, pretty bad, a lot of violence. Matter of fact, if you go on YouTube and YouTube this particular neighborhood, you'll see people with guns and fighting and different stuff like that. And he says, hey, I want to go pray for that community. And I'm like, absolutely, praise the Lord. Well, as he went to go pray, another gentleman joined him and they went out and start praying and he brought out this pink seat. He says, I'm gonna take this pink seat, sit it right in the neighborhood, and I'm just gonna pray for the people of the neighborhood. I said, are you going in the morning, you know, or are you going when nobody sees you? He's like, nope, I'm gonna put it out there when everybody's at home, and I'm gonna just start praying, probably around four or five o'clock. So he sets his face to start praying for this particular community, not every day maybe, but just praying for this community. And then the other man, he came. So this other man drives trucks, 18-wheelers. So he drove his 18-wheeler down to the community. And while they were praying, Lord is doing miracles. We couldn't see God's hand at that moment, but God started changing that community. Those two men are Calvin and Ray Morris. Two totally different men from two totally different communities, two totally vision lifestyles, but the same heart for God. And God used this pink chair. You see, what I didn't know is this is a chair that has been passed down from Calvin from his mother, who has sat in the same chair praying for her community. And so over the next couple of years, we started seeing people leaving this community. What's going on? Well, the, the, the place who owned this particular housing community says, hey, we, we want to do some renovations. So they moved everybody out of the community, started fresh. I said, well, Lord, that's the way to answer prayers. You just move everybody completely out. But in doing so, he provided for us an opportunity to continue to minister to that community. Praise the Lord. Can the Lord get a hand clap of praise for that? Amen. But inside of that, the beauty of that is, as a body of believers, I have seen this church pray specifically for specific people, and I've seen God answer prayers. As a matter of fact, last year in June of 2022, our pastor challenged us to go out and pray for our community. He says, there are certain places in our community, I want us to get all the places and start just going praying for communities. 
Some of you have been there during serve days. Some of you have just gone out and prayed for different communities. And we've been able to capture all those locations on a map. So if you can bring up that map of where we prayed. 260 locations prayed for in our community. Not only our community, show them the next slide. It goes beyond Albany. People that have set their face in praying. You know what that is to me? That's people in our church sitting in their pink chair. Praying for this community. Don't tell me how bad it is here. Don't tell me that. When God has put us here as a praying church to pray for this city. So there's two things that got to happen. Either you're praying and believing God or you're complaining and you don't believe God can do this. The God that I serve, the God that I read about is still in the business of changing lives. He, he can do it. He can do it. But it's not him. Is are you willing to pray? Are you willing to seek God fervently for his hand of blessing, for change, for commitment? All of these things, are you willing to continually seek the face of God for these things? And so I want to invite you to go to the book of Acts chapter 12. And in the book of Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 17, it provides for us an example of how God does this. It provides for us an example of how God does this. So in Acts chapter 12, as you go there, you will see the story of Peter. Peter is in prison, but before that, you see Peter kind of step on the scene and God is just using him in an incredible way. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 9, you'll see Peter performing miracles. You'll see a man from Lydia who was bedridden and paralyzed for eight years, and Peter came on the scene, and that man was healed. And the Bible says that all came to the Lord or turned to the Lord. You see, also Peter received word from another town that a young lady by the name of Dorcas or Tabitha had died. And as they were standing around her, they were showing him all the wonderful things that she had made. And Peter told everybody to leave the room. And then when he left the room, they left the room, he started praying. And that young woman was raised from death to life because he had set his face to praying. After that, in chapter 10, it talks about Cornelius, who was a centurion. Matter of fact, he was a Gentile. And as Cornelius was praying, as a matter of fact, the Bible talks about his prayer. The angel said, your prayers have, uh, have reached heaven. And as God talked to Cornelius, he also talked to Peter. He joined the two together. Peter comes down and he sees multiple, large numbers of people being saved because of the prayers of the people. But then you have here, 
in Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 17. Here is a story about as the church is growing, multiple people getting saved, multiple things happening, and just wonderful things. I just, I could just imagine myself there and seeing 500 people got saved over here today. 200 people got saved over here today. The gospel is just spreading like wildfire. And then all of a sudden, chapter 12 happens. So if you look at chapter 12, this is what it says. Now about that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. And when he had saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread, and when he had seized them, he put them in prison, delivering them to the four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. And on the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was about to bring, I'm sorry, was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains and guards in the front of the door were watching over the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared and a light shone in the cell and he struck Peter's side and he aroused him saying, get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Can I just stop right there as you're reading? Can you imagine this happening? Can you imagine being thrown in prison? I'm kind of looking at the timeline here. Peter is actually sleeping, so it's been a long day, and it's, it's at nighttime, and he's sitting there, and he is, he is actually laying there sleeping, two guards on either side, one at the door, and somebody came and poked him and said, all right, get up. It's time to go. Now, some of y'all, y'all heavy sleepers, you be like, get off me. Who are you talking about? (laughs) But Peter, in this particular moment in Scripture, gets up, and the angel says it's time to go. As we continue to read, the the angel says in verse 8, it says, gird yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so, and he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow. And he did not know what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. And when they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter became to himself, he said, now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people were expecting. And when he had realized this, he went into the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where there were many, where they were gathered together and were praying. And when he had knocked at the door of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she had recognized Peter's voice because of her joy, she did not open the gate but ran in and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. And they said to her, you are out of your mind. 
She was speaking in 2023 stock, y'all. You out your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it is his angel. But when Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had led him out of the prison. And he had said, report these things to James and the brethren. And when he departed, and he departed and went to another place. So as I read that particular scripture, I try to always, when I'm reading scripture, to put myself in that place where everything was going on. And so, you know, you see Peter in the prison and now he, his chains are falling off and he's just walking, probably just kind of shuffling to get out. And man, it's cold, it's probably wet, dark. And I mean, he's just trying to get past one guard and he gets past another guard. And all of a sudden when he gets out, there's no one there. He's like, man, I thought this was a dream. But God, I realize it was you all the time. Has, any, has, has God ever did something in your life where you knew no one else could have done that but him? Amen. Nobody. Amen. I believe this is how Peter was thinking. So as I look at that first point and I'm looking at this particular passage of scripture, he reminds us one thing. You need to be praying without ceasing. Praying without ceasing. The word prayer talks about demonstrating a, a continuous expression of the believer's need for God. It is both personal and specific. God, we need you. This is what prayer is. When you fail to pray, what you are saying to God, maybe not verbally, but you're saying, God, I really don't need you. You're saying, God, this life, I can do this on my own, but when I get in a jam, I'll give you a call. Prayer is not that. Prayer is seeking God on a daily basis. God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to act? God, where do you want me to go? Who do I need to apologize to? God, how do I do this life? See, when we neglect the purposes of prayer and the attitude of prayer, what you're really saying is I can do this by myself. And in the life of a believer, in the life of any human being, there is no way that you can do this life by yourself. We need God. We need him. So as we look at this particular scripture, so, and look at verse five, so Peter was in prison, but prayer for him was being made. Listen to this, it says, the prayer was being made for him, and it used this adjective, fervently. This word fervently means to be stretched out, continual, and intense. Oh, I love that word. Stretched out, continual, and intense. This is the type of prayer that was going on in that community. Stretched out, continual, and intense. Could you imagine what would happen in your life and in your family if your prayers were stretched out, continual, and intense? Mama, where you going? I'm going back to pray because my prayers need to be stretched out 
in continual and intense for God's people, for my life, for my family, for my community. It needs to be continuous. Just imagine, just the people in this room, it's probably about 1,200 people here today. If we just broke out in prayer and it just be continual, stretched out and intense. You talk about God's presence. I think sometimes we just get distracted by the everyday things of life. And the devil wants more. He, he wants nothing more than to get you, continue to have you distracted so you cannot pray. So you forget to pray. Oh, I'll do it later on. Well, I'll seek God later on. And God wants to be a continual act of us depending and calling on him for every facet of life. There's no problem too small and no problem too big that my God can't handle. Amen? So prayer was fervent, continual, but then it was also by the church to God. Do you see that there in the scriptures? It was Peter there, but it was the church that was praying. It was Peter in prison, but the church was praying. There are people in the community, but the church is praying. There are businesses getting ready to fold, but the church is praying. This is example of scripture. You see people here who, and listen, watch this. Look, just a little tidbit from the, from the Bible. These are not people that have been in the church a long time. As a matter of fact, the church, this was just called the church at Antioch. This was, this was a new body of believers. And so these are people that are coming together and saying, look, we don't know how to do anything else. We just need to start praying. But I think in our life today, we think I can do more, be more, and I can just do this better and it'll be better. And God's like, that's not what I'm asking. What I'm really asking for is for you to seek me for guidance and wisdom. Praying, amen? The physical situation was so desperate, the people set their faces to praying. And the name for the church is called the ecclesia. Most of you know this word. And it's called a, it, it is what, it's a called out assembly or a community of redeemed people. That's why when you hear in the Bible, let the redeemed say so. Meaning if God has changed your life and you saw a difference through the power of Jesus Christ, you shouldn't have a problem saying so. So there are three scriptures that I want you to look at. Three scriptures. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 17. It reads this, and it talks about the Christian conduct. So if I am a professing Christian and I have given my life to Jesus Christ, this should be said of you, rejoicing always, praying without ceasing. Rejoicing always, praying without ceasing. Even when I look in Romans chapter 12, verse 12, it says uh, about our love and how we should be dedicated. It says rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. 
This is the characteristic of the believer. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul encourages and urges the church to stand firm and say, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. If you are a believer, this should be our attitude. God, we are depending on you. There is nothing, no amount of legislation, no amount of money that will solve this problem. God, you are the only one. So God, we seek you for wisdom, guidance, and instruction. Amen? So we should be praying for, first one, the persecuted church. We should be praying for the persecuted church. There are men and women out there who are giving their lives for the sake of the gospel. The Bible calls us to continue to pray for those men and women who are out there, places that are seen and unseen. As the church, we should be lifting them up to the Lord. Number two, you should be praying for your spiritual leaders. Your spiritual leaders, those who have been given the opportunity to serve you in different capacities, continue to pray for them. Matter of fact, I got a group of people that pray for me every week. I am so delighted. I got people praying, seeking the Lord on my behalf. You should be praying for those who are spiritual leaders over you. Third, praying for those with sicknesses. Praying for those with sicknesses. That opportunity happens right here on Sunday night. I know most of you pray a lot already and you have to take home that prayer sheet and you're praying for them, but an opportunity to corporately pray for them is on Sunday nights. Come in early, seek the Lord with us. At 5.30 p.m., we're praying, seeking the Lord for people that have illnesses. Fourth, we are to pray for political leaders. Political leaders. Now I'm gonna get up on this soapbox. I'm gonna get down in just a little bit. In the Bible, it tells me that God places people in different places. As much as you want to believe your vote does that, it doesn't. I'm not telling you not to vote, okay? But the Lord divinely puts people in certain places. And the position, the position is the Lord's. Now, we are called as believers to pray for those in authority so that, now here's the benefit, so that you can live a peaceful life. The Bible calls us to do that. And so when certain people get in office, whether you agree or disagree, you know, whether you believe in them or not, we have to continue to pray for elected official, officials. That's what the Bible says. Now don't go out there, slash my tires, paint my car, <laughs> put whatever symbol you put, don't do that. I'm telling you what the Lord says. Amen. If we're gonna be people of God, we just can't take bits and pieces, we gotta take all of it. Amen? Amen. Not only our political leaders, other believers, you know other believers that are going through and you know they're struggling, pray for them. And then this one's gonna get a lot of people. Let me take a drink of water before I get this one. Pray for your enemies. Pray for your enemies. 
Can I share with you a passage of scripture? And you may want to write this down because this was not on the slides. Psalm 35, verses 11 through 14. And I think I'm going to sit in my pink chair, Calvin, while I give you this verse. This is what it says. Malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me of things that I don't know. They repay me evil for my good to the bereavement of my soul. But as for me, ooh, this is good. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting. And my prayer kept returning to my bosom. I went, listen to this. This is what the psalmist says. He says, I went about as though it were my friend or my brother. I bowed down in mourning as one sorrowing for her mother, a mother sorry for her children. That's God's word. So if we have people in our community, in our home that mistreat you, don't play get back. Lord, I'm praying for them just like it's my brother. Because when you do that, and God sees that, oh, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. Lastly, we're praying for the nation of Israel. We're praying for the nation of Israel. The Lord calls us to do that. We need to be praying for the nation of Israel. Inside that area where Israel is, we're praying for the nation of Israel, but guess what? There are other believers inside those areas, in Lebanon and all those different. So we're praying for believers at the same time. And we're believing that the Lord will sort it all out. But the Bible calls us to pray specifically for Israel. Point number two. We're praying that God will be glorified. We're praying that God will be glorified. This is the position I want to pray for. I don't want the credit. I realize that there are some things that happened in my life where God wants to demonstrate his power through us. And at the end of the day, he's got to get the credit. Sometimes, in our life, we're going through things and we're trying to figure out why, what's happened, what's going on, what did I do wrong, God? And you're asking the questions, why did this happen to me? And God is like, if you could just hold on just a second, let the perfecting process have its way. And as you're going through something, other people are looking at you, trying to figure out how you're making it through this. They don't see the complaining, but they see you seeking the Lord, continuing to go to church. They see you writing your prayer requests, continuing to, 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 to move away from your enemies and pray for your enemies and do what's good, and people are watching that. And then the Lord uses your testimony for his good. God, I want you to be glorified in this situation. As a matter of fact, the disciples were walking one day and they saw a blind man and they said, Jesus, who has sinned that this man is blind? Jesus said, nobody. He said, the reason he's like that is so that the work of God can be done in his life. Isn't that awesome? 
Sometimes you're going through things in your life, but it's for God to get the glory. So when I look at this particular passage of scripture, Acts chapter 12, verses 6 through 12, this is actually where Peter is coming out of the prison and he's telling him, hey, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And as he passes through there at the end of the verse, at verse 12, he says, now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel. The Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. This shows me that God has overwhelming mercy. God has overwhelming mercy. God has divine protection. Divine protection. Not only does he have overwhelming mercy, divine protection, but he also has unlimited power. He can do anything when he want to do it. Woo! Psalm 79 verse 9 says this. It says, help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name and deliver us, forgive us our sins for your name's sake. God, when people look at my life, let them see you for your name's sake. Psalms 86 verse 12 says this, and I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forever. We need to be giving God the glory in everything. We're praying that God will get the glory in everything we do. God, even if the circumstances don't turn out how I think they should turn out, God, would you get the glory for this? God, even, even if I never get any recognition, got any praise, anything from this, and God, I shouldn't. God, would you get the glory from this? God, will my situation glorify you when people look at my life? God, help them to see you. Get the glory from it, God. Some of you have been in some really bad situations. And I've prayed for you. But the end result, I've seen God get the glory in more ways than one. Because you, st you stood steadfast, depending on God and not on self. Last point. Last point. Praying with expectation. Praying with expectation. Acts chapter 12, verses 13 through 17 says, when he knocked at the door of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda came, and came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. They said to her, you're out of your mind, but she kept insisting that it was so. They kept saying, it is his angel, but Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door, they saw him and were amazed, but motioning to them with his hand to be silent. When I looked at this particular passage of scripture, I realized that some time had passed since Peter had seen them last, but the church continued to pray. Peter came in on the prayer meeting that they were praying for him for. He walked in to the point, hearing his name being raised up before God. Can Sherwood be a church like that? When you're praying and seeking the Lord for someone, man, people just walk in on the prayer meeting, hear your name being lifted up before the Lord. 
your family being lifted up for the Lord. I'm praying that's the kind of church we have. I've known, I personally know, and several times I've walked in on people and then they were praying. Father, I pray for Pastor Ken. I pray for his mind. I pray for the ministry. I pray for every first family. God, I pray for him. And I was like, Lord, thank you. I'm so grateful that you've allowed people to pray for me because your prayers matter. Your prayers matter. As a matter of fact, in 1 John 5, 14 through 15, it says this, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked of him. How many people believe that, truly believe that? Amen. So as we prepare to close this morning, we're going to pray for a few areas. Because we have this confidence. On December the 12th, 2023, that whatever we ask of God, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we will have the request asked of him. So we're going to pray corporately for five things. Number one, well, before I go there, a lot of people have heard about the crime in Albany, Georgia, specifically this last week. We've heard about things going on in our community, things happening, people dying. But our responsibility is not to complain. It's to pray. That's the primary job of the believer, to pray. As we pray, God shows us where we go from there. Whether we need to be involved, whether we need to pray for someone else to be involved, how, God, how do we get from point A to point B? This is what we're praying for. We're going to be praying for our elected officials that they know how to lead well. After that, we're going to be praying for, specifically for, the young men in our community. And we're praying that they will have the fear of God. That's what we're praying. Number three, we're praying specifically for single mothers, that the Lord will give them guidance, wisdom, full dependence on him. And then... We're praying for the church. That's you and I. Lord, how do we confidently continue to go out and share the good news of the gospel? Yes, Lord, it's Christmas season and we're celebrating the birth of Christ. We are celebrating the coming, say, we are celebrating the coming of the Savior. But Lord, in the middle of us celebrating, Lord, will you show us as a church? how we need to be reaching this community. Because it's not just about doing. It's about praying and asking the Lord what he wants us to do 
and then us moving diligently out as believers in obedience. Amen? So as the choir comes or we get ready to close out, I want you to take just a few minutes. I want you to pray for our elected officials specifically. Pray specifically for our elected officials right where you are. Make your chair that pink chair. Pray that they would lead well. Pray that God will bring back to their memory certain things, opportunities that will help this community. Pray that God will put the right people in the right seats that honor him and honor his word. Next, specifically pray for young men in our community. And I'm not saying all African-American men, all Caucasian men, all young men. Pray specifically for the young men in our community that they would fear God. Would you also pray for single moms? A lot of women in our community are doing the most they can with what they have. Our pastor preached a few weeks ago and he talked about 75% of our community is full with single moms and they're hurting, they're struggling. Would you pray for them? Pray that God will give them guidance and wisdom that they would fully depend on him, fully. Lastly, I want you to pray for the church. Ask the Lord, can we breathe this church that was praying in Acts 12? Lord, we want to have continuous, fervent, stretched out, unending prayer. Will you pray for that? Father, you've brought us a long way. This church is built on prayer. I've personally witnessed men and women who have spent hours upon hours praying. Praying from morning to night, praying according to your word, that we're faithful in praying. Now, God, you're raising up a new generation in this church. God, would you help the young men and young women of this church to be faithful in their praying. 
Would you help them to be diligent? God, would you continue for all of us, place it on our hearts, the importance of prayer. Our prayers matter. God, we're asking you to do something so special through the heart of this body that we won't even be able to explain it. But we point directly to you. It was you, God, all the time. And Lord, I pray that even our pastors also brought out 10,000 strong people praying together. Lord, help us to be consistent in our commitment of praying 10 minutes each month. 10 minutes each month for this church, for vision, prayer, love, discipleship, kingdom, scripture, worship, leadership, presence, blessings. God, help us to be consistent in our prayers. Lord, you place us all here for a reason. You didn't place us here to be entertained. You placed us here to be praying. God, may this place be a place of peace and a place of prayer. Father, we will continue to give you all the glory, all the thanks, and all the honor. God, we lift you up. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here this morning and you heard the message, you're a believer, maybe you need to recommit yourself to prayer. Maybe that's an area of your life you just kind of been lacking in and you say, you know what, I need to recommit myself to prayer. There are ways to do that. You can do that, do that on your own, of course. But also, I just want to encourage you, we've already have a process, 10,000 strong. These are out, outside on the silver stand. You can grab one on your way out. This is how you can start praying fervently for our church and for this community. Also, we have prayer time on Sunday mornings at seven o'clock. That's for everyone, not just for men. That's for everyone. Come and pray. Prayer time on Sunday nights. I don't think we're having it this night, but the next Sunday night, 530 come and pray. This is what our church has to be built on. Not good deeds. Those things are good. But the church must be built on prayer. And if you're here today and maybe you say, I just don't get this whole thing about prayer, relationship with the Lord. I just don't understand. I want to invite you for a relationship. And that relationship is with Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus came to this earth died on the cross for our sins. And through him and him alone, we now ha can have fellowship with the Holy God. But if you haven't done that today, I want to invite you to come.